Welcome to Northridge Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. For more information, visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your heart as we dive into God's Word. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. That was very sweet. Thank you all so much. Look to your neighbor and say, uh, how are you? Go ahead and ask your neighbor that. Everybody good? We good? 11 o'clock? Come on, let me hear from you. You know, when you ask people that question, are you okay, sometimes they just give you a laundry list of things that are ailing them, right? How many of y'all know somebody like that? And then on the other side of the coin, there's that person that's just seemingly always okay, even when things are not okay. Remember we talked last week, we were starting a series on brokenness, and we said, it is okay to not be okay. We learned that there were some things that come out of brokenness, things like uh, deliverance, things like uh, blessing. You can't know what it's like to be healed unless you've known what it's like to be broken. You can't understand the hope of glory until you have felt hopeless. You, you don't understand this new beginning until you feel like you've came to the, come to the end of yourself. And you don't know true life in Christ until you realize you were dead in your sins. Now, the reality is, is the blessings do come in time of breaking. We also realize there's something else that comes with it. There's, there's, there's presence. Listen, he says he's close to the brokenhearted. How many of you are glad of that today? That, that in times of brokenness, he's close. He's close by. And that there's a presence there. That presence brings anointing, and anointing bring, bring, brings glory. And that's what we want. We want to, number one, we want to glorify him. But it comes through the process of being in his presence. We also talked about how brokenness can interrupt your plans. I think some of the greatest things that's ever happened in my life is when God interrupted what plans I had laid out and what I thought it was supposed to look like. We saw that even this week. And hey, we have to have faith. We have to apply faith and understand. Uh, I think it's in First uh, Peter 1 and 7 where it says that uh, the trial of our faith is more precious than gold, right? When it's tested by fire. Why? Because it brings forth this revelation of Jesus Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ. So when we go through a trial of our faith, it's something to be uh, held on to and something to be precious, accounted that way. Why? Because that's where God is revealed in those moments. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please me. We live from what? From faith to faith. We are saved uh, by grace through what? Through faith. It's the vehicle that we see him and we meet him in those moments of presence. We also talked about how breaking can give you a new heart. Today I want to talk to you about this idea of not just being broken and being okay to be broken, but where do you go when you're broken? Where do, where do you run to? Who do you run to? Is there a hiding place for you in times of brokenness? If you would stand with me, we're going to read one verse, Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. So I'm going to give you the punchline in this verse, but then we're going to kind of look at three total ways, places, people that you can run to, good and bad in both of them, but then ultimately where we're going to go. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, David here is, is a man associated with pain and difficulty and running, obviously, from his enemies. And he said this, God is our refuge. And I put there parenthetically, condition of being safe, watch this, or sheltered from pursuit. The Bible says that the enemy is a roaring lion seeking, pursuing whom he may devour. He's looking for your weaknesses. He's looking for those moments where he can get a toe in the door and destroy your life. His main, watch this, his MO is to torment you. Hey, listen, he could care less about robbing you of your joy. You can be joyful and be busy and nothing happening for the glory of God. He just wants to torment you. He wants to destroy your family and your life. But watch this, it says that he is uh, our refuge, a 
time of strength and a very present help in trouble. Not just in a time of trouble, but he's in the trouble with you. And I praise God for that. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help me to rightly divide this word today with truth and with power and life-changing consequence for your glory. Start with me. Start now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to give you a couple of places that I believe we can run to when we are in times of hurt and difficulty. And there's some good and bad in both of them. First, of course, is we often run to solitude. We run to be alone. I share with the nine o'clock service, for most of my life, I was not that guy. I, I did not like to be alone at all. In fact, many men are really that way. Come on, man, y'all testify. Men do not like to be alone. My wife, on the other hand, ever since we've known one another, likes to be alone, wants her solitude, wants her time away. So much so that she's like, look, I'm just gonna get away for a little bit. And I'm like, I'll go with you. She's like, no, you don't understand. I wanna get away from you. You know, with me? And, and so it's interesting, the dynamic of that. And now what's happened is the older I get, the more I'm accustomed to, it's okay to be, a, be by myself. I jump on the four-wheeler, ride down the lake, man, and just have me a moment, Right? Now, I like when she gets on there and rides with me, and I get down there to the lake, give me some sugar. But, I, you know, the fact is, I, I love the fact that there's a place where God meets us when we're alone. The positive effects of being alone is this. I believe some of the sweetest moments that I've ever had in my life is prayer and fasting and worship, just me and the Lord. Uh, Keith was talking about it a moment ago. It's like, what happens in here, no one else gets to see. No one else understands, Bubba, what's going on inside of me. Now, there may be the outward expression on some of our hearts. Some of us, maybe we'll talk about that today, are a little limited about how we can express that closeness with God. There's a point where you just get to where you can't help it and you no longer care what anyone thinks. But I do believe that also comes with sanctification, maturity, and so forth. And, and again, let me offer a caveat. I don't suggest that the person who's shouting and running the, the, uh, the aisles is the person who's right with God either. Okay, you can manufacture a lot of that. But I'm just saying this, me to you, heart to heart. When he gets in here and he changes you from the inside out, you can't block it. In fact, let me say this, you don't want to. Because it's a reflection of how much you want to honor and glorify him for he's worthy. Go ahead and look to your neighbor and say, he's worthy. Go ahead and tell him that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. Now understand that Jesus has, has given this idea that there's, there's a hypocritical way to pray. There's a hypocritical way to deal with the glory of God. And he said they do it outwardly. They want to be heard. But he says in verse 6, watch this. I love the language here. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door behind you, pray to your father who is in the secret place. You hear me say this today if we get this far. The secret place is the place that only you and he can go. No one else goes into the secret place with my Lord. It's me and him and only me and him. But he says this. He says, your father, he's in the secret place. Watch this. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Sometimes getting along with God can shut out the noise of the world so that you can hear the gentle whisper of the Lord. We think about Elijah when he was running from Jezebel and he ran into this this cave and you hear of the, the explosions and the earthquakes and the loudness. And he says, but God was not in that. But then he came in that still, small voice. I call it a whisper. And there's some things we need to understand about a whisper and this closeness. You need to be close to hear a whisper. 
you need to be quiet to hear a whisper. And I love this. God's breath, you think about his breath, you think about the presence of God on his breath. It's, it's really amazing when you can hear and feel the breath of God upon your life when you're in that place of solitude. And I'm gonna tell you something. It's like fasting, it's like anything else. Anything you do to, sh- to show people, and, and only you know this too, right? Then you get your reward there. If I stand and I pray and I shout and do all this stuff and people around me go, man, he's, he's really spiritual. That's amazing. Or I tell you, you know, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm going through a fast. You know, y'all, y'all lesser folk, y'all aren't going through. You know, then he says, there you have your reward. Let me tell you something. You don't want man's accolade. You don't want man's reward. It's, it's kind of an abolishment of what God wants to do in heaven. He said, whatever you do in private, I'll reward you openly. That's why he says this. He says, if a man would humble himself before what? The mighty hand of God. He said, I will exalt him in due time. But if a man would exalt himself, he said, I will, he uses the word in the King James, abase him. I looked that word up. You know what it means? It means to humiliate. Listen, you want to lift yourself up, go for it. You want to just humble yourself. And humble doesn't mean weakness. Understand that. Some of the greatest strength, I believe, is when we can humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and let him exalt you. Watch this. This is the tough part. In due time. How many of you know that we live in a microwave generation, but God is a crockpot God? Let me tell you something. Anybody ever ate any chicken in a microwave? From beginning to end, seven minutes, it's terrible. Put it in a crock pot, go to bed, wake up the next day, it just melts in your mouth. The same is true with your spiritual life. Don't rush this thing. God transcends time, space, and matter. He's not concerned about you getting him in a hurry. He wants to do something that transcends any concept. Listen, he knows the end before the beginning starts. He's in tomorrow, he's in yesterday, he's in right now, and I love this. He's associate, I think it's in Psalm 56 and verse eight. David said this, he said, he's associated with my wanderings. He's mindful of my wanderings and he's even bottled my tears up. You think about that, that we, we know that that's a metaphor, right? There's not some big jar in heaven of teardrops. How, here's what he's saying. He says, he remembers me. He's affiliated in my time, but he's close to the brokenhearted. Man, I could stay on that all day. Let me, let me move on. Also, I believe this. How many of you guys, come on, men, let me, let me see something. How many of you men are criers? You're okay to cry now the older you get. Some of you men are like, you ain't gonna move me. You know you a crybaby. You do know that. <laughs> hey, how about this, man? Give me this much. How many of you men, the older you get, the easier it is to shed a tear? Right? It is, isn't it? I mean, I just, listen, I'll start crying at the drop of a hat. But here's what I love about that. We're talking about the bottle up of tears. Listen, whether actually crying tears or just crying out in supplication. He says, by prayer and supplication, crying out. I love what the psalmist said. He said, I cried unto the Lord. And what? He heard me. He inclined unto me. He leaned into me. He pulled me out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock. I believe some of the greatest moments, I can take you there. Keith was talking about it. He was singing about it. Maybe he was just having him a little moment. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of the greatest moments of my life were some of the most hurtful, some of the most desperate when I was crying out to him. I was talking to a a lady in the service today, and she said, you know, there was a time where I I didn't kneel down and pray. She said, I would just sit upright, or I would walk about and pray. And she said, but now I feel this urgency to kind of kneel before the Lord. That speaks of that humility. But let me tell you something something. I went from standing to sitting to lying flat on my face and just saying, God, I need all of you. I need you now to move. And if you don't move, it's hopeless. 
And I think there's a beauty in crying out to the Lord. Psalm 34 in verse 18 says, he's near to those who are brokenhearted and saves such as a, have a contrite spirit. Sometimes just getting in his presence and gazing into his wonder is enough healing for everything. Just knowing he's there. Just knowing he never, please don't just quote flippantly a scripture. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Know that that means he's there with you. He's in there with you. That's why it says, it doesn't say he's present in your trouble or a time of trouble. He's in trouble. He's involved in it. Why? Because he's sovereign over all things. And here's the question that we have to ask then. So if he's sovereign over all things, then why do bad things happen? Well, first of all, understand we're in a broken world. Listen, we're, we're, we're heading back to a place of perfection, but we're not in it now. There's brokenness. There's decisions that we've made. Hey, guess what? There's repercussions for our decisions. And you may think, well, you're not making them. But listen, somebody is. By the way, can I offer you something? You, you need to be praying for your leadership. You need to be praying for things that transpired this past week. When, 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 listen, this is not political, but you can't separate these two. Things that happened this week in our country should not happen in a country of freedom. Okay, they happen in, in places that are in, in like Zambia. They, they happen in places like Venezuela. They don't happen in America. Again, separate the man, separate the position, do anything you want to do. But understand something, and here's where we live. If it can happen in a past president's house, it can happen in your church. It can happen in your home. And why do I tell you that? Because when I read this, there's a point in the time where, yeah, I can call my congressman and I may can do a lot of things. I can cast my vote. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go boldly before the throne of grace and realize I got to get on my knees and get on my face and say, God, I need you to bless the leadership. We're to pray for our leaders. Did you know that? Because despite what they may think or act like, they have been appointed as a time by God. I don't understand it. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. Listen, well, we have to realize that in life, crying out, that's why he says prayer and supplication. Crying out to God, I believe with all of my heart, moves the heart of God into action quicker than anything that we can do. Hey, I believe there's some negative effects of being alone. I believe that there's danger of aloneness, of suppression, of hurt that yields depression, which stifles both our wholeness and our health in our physical body as well in our spirit. Guys, I... I'm 53 years old, and I, rem I remember a time where the word depression and anxiety, ADHD, and all those things were not mentioned at all. There's, there's something that's happened. Remember I told you this when we are talking about identity. Got to be careful here, because I, I don't mean to, to overstep here, but to say this. Be careful the title you lay over somebody that you love. Listen, that, that's why I told you I have a problem. And I admit this openly, I don't have a problem with all of it. But one of the problems I have with Alcoholics Anonymous is they have to live a life declaring that they're still an addict. Hey, my name is Mark and I'm an addict. No, no, no. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. Watch this. Behold, all things are being made new. 
So there's something in aloneness. Why? Because I'm going to tell you where the enemy will get you. He'll get you in that idle time when you're alone. If you're not on your face crying out to God, the enemy's in your back. He's whispering down your ears. He's telling you who you are and what you are. All he wants you to do is to repeat it. Once you repeat it, you begin to live it out. There's life and death in the power of your tongue. I I don't mean to say that you can just start speaking arbitrary things over and they're going to happen. Listen, if you're five feet two and you can't shoot a basketball and you earthbound and can't jump, you're not going to the NBA. You can declare that openly. We can anoint you with oil. It is not happening. You're earthbound. Stay here. Listen, at the end of the day, however, I do believe that when we start speaking things over our life, the enemy says, hey, she's leaving and she's not coming back. The enemy says, your child has gone wayward and they'll never come back from the world. Hey, he can say that all he wants to, but the moment that you begin to declare it over your life is the moment that you accept it. I believe it comes to your faith. That is good. It really is. They ought to be clapping. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I think also that we fall into a downward spiral when we're alone. I wrote this down, and I don't know that I've ever said this. I said it in the 9 o'clock, but prior to that, I don't think I've ever said this. It's not really maybe some profound, like it's going to end up in a book. It's just, it meant the world to me. So I pray that you receive it in the same way. We begin to lose the battle in our mind when the lies of the enemy become clearer and louder than the truth of God's word. When you start listening to the lies of the enemy more often than you start declaring the truth of God's word over your situation, you're lost. You've lost the battle already. That's mental health breakdown. It's not, again, just saying that God's word is is here. Listen, it's saying that it's here, and he says, hide it in your heart. Declare it over your life. One of the things I did when I was in in, in seminary, I got some great advice from a a guy who actually was mentored by Charles Ryrie. And he was like 92 years old when he taught me this, and he said this. He said one of the things he did to learn the word of God is that he would take a copy of God's word, read it aloud, record himself reading it, and then play it back in his voice while he slept. Because there's something that happens when you hear your own voice. And when you declare it, I think that's a lot to do with this idea of life and death in the power of your tongue, don't you? I think when you hear yourself say it, then you start to believe it. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen, you got to guard your heart, as Solomon said, with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of your life. And if you don't believe it in here, but you have it here, you're still going to stray. you got to take it from here to here to hear, speak it out, and then your hands and your feet will follow your heart. I believe that with everything that I am. And by the way, a rule of thumb, people who think of self-help, by the way, let me tell you something. If you could get yourself out of the situation, there's a good chance you wouldn't be in it in the first place. You can't help yourself. People say, and this, this can, I, can I just share with you, this is me. People who say, follow your heart, I, I don't, that's a pet peeve, I don't like that. Do you know why? The Bible says, Matt, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Listen, if you follow your heart, you're going to destruction. Your heart is contaminated. It's like I was talking about last week with regards to this idea of interruption. Listen, muscles have something called muscle memory. 
And when you're working out, if you keep doing the same exercise over and over and over and over and over again, you plateau, right? And what's after plateau? Decline. You can be working out, doing all this stuff, and nothing's happening. You have to what? Shock your muscles, do something to confuse them, and then there's an acceleration of growth and strength. And and not only that, it's fun again, right? It's exciting. Guys, your heart is a muscle. The same is true here. If you keep believing God for what you've already seen him do, nothing happens. You gotta believe eye has not seen nor ears heard nor has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You gotta start believing him for something you've never seen, you've never dreamed of. Uh, and listen, I'm not talking about just word of faith stuff. He says, the enemy comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, but I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. Now, my measuring rod and your measuring rod for abundance may be different. We immediately go to the place of material things. Can I tell you something? You can have all the money, you can have all the stuff to simply have the stillness and the sweetness of God in your heart and have the peace of God that passes all circumstances and understanding, that's what I want. And I'm gonna tell you something, you can get that in a place, but you cannot get it if you just start to speak death and spiral into that. Real quickly, not only do we go to solitude, we run to others. Now, before you offer, offer yourself the danger points of running to others, let me offer you a couple of positives. There are a few. Is, does anybody in the room have that ride or die kind of person? I, man, I tell you, that's, that's, that's good stuff, ain't it, Cody? That ride or die. Hey, that's the person that says, when all hell is breaking loose, when everybody else is running out, you're ride or die, that's the one that's running in. They're the people that are around you even when you're losing and they need nothing from it. Remember, we talked about that in identity. Three kinds of people, you remember? There's leaves, branches, and roots. The leaves in your life, they're necessary, but they're only here for a season. Hey, can I tell you something? They're not gonna be here through thick and thin. They only come for a season. When the sun goes down and the storms come, they're out of here. They blow away like the chaff in the wind. The branches, oh, they're stronger, but don't trust too much. Don't get out there and dangle on it. They too will break under weight. But then there's the roots. Oh my goodness. Amen. See there, praise the Lord. Roots are those people in your life that you can probably count on one hand. These are not Facebook friends. These are friends who say, my goal and my heart and my aim is to help you be nourished spiritually. To make sure that you're bearing fruit. You don't ever hear their name called. They don't need an accolade. You don't have to post them on social media. They are there. They are here. They will be here. They're going to lock in. They're your ride or die. And I'm going to tell you something. If you have one like that, listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says in verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two stand back to back. They can conquer. But there's one even better. A triple braided cord cannot be easily broken. Listen, I, I, I want to I say this in the right heart. I want to be around people who are believing more for me than I'm believing for myself. I want to be around people. Listen, y'all, y'all know this about me. I've said this. <clears throat> I don't like negativity. I can't do it. I, I, I can't be around it. Again, I, I, Stephanie says I'm an unrealistic optimist. And be that as it may, I believe I'd rather be that than a Debbie Downer and tell me everything that's wrong. 
Listen, if God's told me to do it and the whole world says don't do it, I'm believing God and every man's a liar. Now, here's why I say that. If you surround yourself around people that are not believing that God is bringing out the best version of you, then you have surrounded yourself by people who have imprisoned you. Because if they're not praying for you, believing for you, encouraging you, then guess what? They have imprisoned you with your permission. The, the, there's, a, there's a danger there in running to others. There's positive, there's, there's, there's power in numbers. Right, see this, I believe there's a, there's, hey, how many of you guys build things up a lot worse than they are when you're by yourself? Let, let, let's, say, let's say this way. Let, let's say that, that Lee, Lee has offended me and I, I, I now know that I gotta deal with it. So I'm at home and I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go talk to Lee and I, I know what he's gonna say. I know how he's gonna come back because I know Lee. I know Lee's gonna say this and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna say this and, and then he's gonna say, well, I tell you what, then I'm just gonna go to Clark's Chapel and I'm gonna say, well, I tell you what, I'll buy you a cab. You know, it's just, it's gonna get so ugly. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You build it up so bad, but then when I go to him and I say, you know, I'm all jacked up and I go to him and I say, Lee, I'm really hurt the way you do. And he looks at me and he says, brother, you know what, man? I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? See, you built this thing up so hard and so difficult. And Proverbs 15 and 22 says it this way. (laughs) When plans go wrong for a lack of advice, there are many advisors who bring success. There's wise counsel that we all need in our life. Hey, guess what? How many of y'all have an accountability partner? Probably not many. Accountability partners are amazing. But understand, they need to be people of like-mindedness. You don't, you don't need an accountability partner, sir, that's a woman. Ma'am, you don't need an accountability partner, uh, the guy down at the gym. Okay, here's the thing. You, you need people, if you're married, you need an accountability partner, someone who's married. And I, here's my suggestion, that is more seasoned than you. Because they've treaded the dirt that you're walking now. They tread the dirt you're walking down. And so with regards to this idea of accountability, it's just somebody who who can pray with you, somebody who can believe with you, somebody that can hold you accountable. And hey, let's go back to that that issue. If you do offend me, there's a method to the madness. Matthew chapter 18. Hey, here's a novel concept. Before I take it to social media and speak in some riddle, maybe I just need to go to you in love. And say, hey, you know what? You offended me. And hey, it says go back and rebuke them. But rebuke in that context is not this. Rebuke is this. Hey, man, you offended me in hopes of restoring fellowship. Now, if it doesn't work, then I'm going to take you with me. In case he gets rowdy, we'll let you get on him. You take a brother. And guess what? Before we go, we pray up and we say, God, we're going before Lee. We want our brother to turn so that we can be back in fellowship. And then if he does it the third time, Matthew chapter 18 says you bring him before the church. Now that doesn't mean that I just traipse him up here on the stage. That means that one of the leadership from the church, we sit down, we have a conversation. Listen to me, this doesn't preach well, but this is the truth of God's word. If they don't respond at that time, the Bible says you put them out of your fellowship. Why? Because then you get into this issue of sowing discord. Listen, you go to the wrong person with a situation. Let me tell you. Hey, and by the way, if you come to somebody asking them to pray for Lee, but you preface it with this, hey, let me just tell you what Lee did. 
Listen, that's not how you do it. That's called sowing discord. And the Bible says about that, that you cause people to stumble. And if you do that, then you're better off with a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. Strong words. In fact, Proverbs 6, 12, and 15 says it this way. The danger of going to a person that way is this. A worthless person, (laughs) that's what he calls them, a wicked man goes about with crooked speech, watch this, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger. With perverted heart, he devises evil, continually sowing discord. Listen to these words. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. That's the way God views sowing discord. And and you know what else? I I think if you start out the conversation, because God knows the what? God knows the heart of the man. If you start out a conversation with, hey, I want you to pray for Lee. And you start it out that way, that's called manipulation. And in the word of God, that's witchcraft. So we have to be careful going to others for that reason. Hey, another thought, here's a thought. If you go to somebody that's not rooted in God's word, you know what they're going to issue you as advice? An opinion. What if that opinion is not rooted in truth? Maybe truth of the world, but it's not rooted in God's truth as the band makes their way back out. Listen, here's what I believe to be true. I believe we need to start vetting the people that we allow to speak into our life. Don't allow just anyone to speak into your life. Listen, that's big stuff, man. If you're allowing somebody to speak into you, you need to make sure, vet them spiritually, see where they are spiritually. Otherwise, it's just merely an opinion. And then lastly, and I just just want to park here for a little while. I'm going to be quick. It's only 11.08 in Dothan. Listen, we run to God. That's the place to hide from the world is in his presence. Hiding can be a good thing. Psalm chapter 32 verse 7 says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from a time of trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. See, what's the antithetical to that? Self-preservation. Remember I said, if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't be in the mess you're in. And there's a real good chance that if you got yourself in a mess, you're probably not going to be the one to get yourself out. You need to run to the Lord. You need to hide from him. In him, I'm sorry. Psalm 119 and verse 114. The longest chapter. I love that. He says, you are my hiding place, my shield. Listen to this. I wrote this down. I hope in your word. That word hope there means wait. We don't like to do that, do we? But when we go to the Lord, sometimes it's, it's okay to wait. Those who wait on the Lord shall what? Mount up in wings as eagles. They'll run and not faint. They'll walk and not draw weary. Psalm 31 and 20. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in their presence, far from the accusing tongues. There was a story of a little boy who was at home and a uh, salesman called and the little boy answered the phone. He said, hello. He said, can I speak to your mom or dad? They're busy. I said, oh, kind of perplexed. He said, well, is, can I speak to someone else? Is there anyone else at your home? There's a policeman. Well, let me speak to him. No, he's busy. <laughs> well, well, is there anybody else at your house? He's kind of getting worried now. And he said, there's a fireman here. Well, can I speak to the fireman? No, he's busy. 
They said, look, what's going on? Your parents are busy. The firemen, the policemen, they're all busy. What are they doing? They're trying to find me. Hide and go seek fun when we're kids. And, but today, our only hiding place that's really a place of safety is in the Lord. He, he's your hiding place. He's your shelter. He's your, he's your refuse. I was told when I became a, a preacher 21 years ago, you need a life verse. You need a life verse that you'll hang your hat on, that everything you do is filtered through that. And so I, I started talking to people, hey, what's your life verse? And there, I found a common thread, David, upon many of the life verses. And, and I just didn't feel comfortable because it's like, it's not my life verse. So I started praying and I said, Lord, I, I want a place to go. That's why I said those words. I said, I want a place to go when I feel defeated, when I'm scared, when I'm hungry, when I'm hurting. I love the Psalms because they speak so vulnerably. The psalmist, a man after God's own heart, is just so vulnerable. He made some bad choices. But I was reading Psalm chapter 91 and I found my verse in verse one. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And that dwelling means to remain. And so here's, here's what we learned a few weeks ago and here's what we're really learning today. What if we just remained in his presence? What if we just continued to, listen to me, hide from the affairs of this world as to be unscathed by them? I love what Paul said in around Acts chapter 20 or so. He said, I now go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that await me there, but knowing that peril and tribulation, he knew, my goodness, he had, he'd been down that street a few times, right? Been beaten, been flogged, been locked up. He says, not knowing the things that befall me there, but none of these things move me. So that, everybody say so that. So that I may finish my course with joy. So in the doxology of his life, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, when he said, I'm now ready. What would the church look like if God's people were just simply ready? Ready for what? Oh, no, no, no. No, I mean ready for anything. I'm ready for anything. Mark, you're not worried about the food shortage? No, I'm not. I'm not worried about the election. You gonna vote? Yeah, I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna talk about it. Because I think we're in desperate times. So if you want to know, I'll be, I'll be glad to go to lunch with you. You buy, and we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. But, but I just thought to myself, what would it look like if we just remained in his presence? Man, there's, there's safety there. You know, what, you know what's going to happen to your marriage if you're in his presence? It's just going to be wonderful. You say, Mark, you don't believe you'll have trouble. I believe you'll have trouble. I believe it'll come from every angle. I believe the enemy will throw everything at you he possibly can, but none of these things will move me. Hallelujah. You know what I believe? I believe that your children, if you're in the presence, guess what I believe? I believe they'll come in there with you. 
Hey, there might be some prodigals. I get it. I totally get it. But you know what? I want to be, if I'm in his presence, I'm going to be like the father of the prodigal story. I'm going to be sitting on the porch, rocking in my chair, waiting for the moment that he or she comes back. Because I'm in his presence, and I'm just simply ready. None of these things move me. Let me me close with this. Let me close with this. I'm not done, but this is where we are. We're done. I was in Nigeria preaching years and years ago. Thousands of people that didn't understand a word I said. So, so I understood the true gift of tongues. Hear my heart. Malika, you and I were talking about this. I understood it because God allowed me to see it. And here it was. I was preaching in English. He was interpreting in his tongue. Had I preached without an interpreter, there would have not been a prophet with all. There would not have been an edification of the body. Amen? Amen. It just, I'd have been preaching the house down, but if they didn't get it, it's It's nothing. That's why he says, if one preach, let them be, if one speak in another tongue, let there be an interpreter. So watch what happens. So I'm preaching, and I prayed, and I I know many other pastors that pray this. God, if if something's real, show it. If it's a gift from you, I want it. And so I'm standing there preaching, and there was a, the stage was about this high, and, and, and as you look out, there was a blank football field of space, and the people on the outskirts of it. And I didn't know why, I was just thinking, man, that's a long way to be from the preacher. So I jumped off the stage, and when I did, thousands of people took a gasp. They went, <gasps> I thought, Lord, Lord God, what'd I do? So I started preaching, and I walked right in the middle of that field, and I'm preaching, and he's interpreting. And then I said this, here it is. This is to you too. So what I'm about to say, then I'm gonna say to you. Here's what I said. If you wanna come to Jesus, and I looked at my interpreter, and he was like this. And I said, if you wanna come to Jesus in your time of hurt, and I looked at him, he was like this. And the Holy Spirit nudged me. He said, keep talking. So I said it again. I said, if you want to come to Jesus in your time of hurt, if you're desperate, he didn't didn't say a word, stand up. Thousands of people stood to their feet. They couldn't understand me, but the Holy Spirit had translated the words I spoke so they heard it in their own tongue. Now watch this. And this is to you today, church. I said, don't just walk, run to him. Run to him like like your life depends on it. And this big old dude, he was my interpreter, he grabbed me by the back of the neck and just started dragging me and running. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm just literally going across this field and all of a sudden, he launches me up on the stage and as I turn around, people were running like a herd. I mean, to the, and listen, they got up to the stage, the stage was locked in on telephone poles, Kyle, and when they got to the front of the stage, I felt it torque, it went. And man, I just I lost it. I absolutely lost it. And I have a picture in my office with this. And so with your heads up, not heads bowed, here's the thing. Jesus said, if you ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Oh, that's strong words. Because boy, we have reduced that to me. Oh, but God will understand. Let me tell you something. When he says it, he means it. So here's, here's, my, here's my heart today. If you need help, if you need prayer, if you're hurting, run to him. Come down here right now. Don't, don't think about it. If, if you're hurting, you're not ashamed to say, God, I'm hurting. I, I need you <clears throat> and I want you. If your marriage is struggling, if you believe in God for somebody else, it doesn't even have to be about you. Amen. Come and just take a knee at this altar. If you can't knee, just stand here and put your hands on it. 
If you're not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure if you're saved, pray with me right now. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he conquered death, hell, and the grave on my behalf. Jesus saved me. I repent of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. If you prayed and you invited Jesus in your heart, we're not gonna just throw up a finger and throw up a hand. Stand to your feet right now. Everyone's looking. But if you're unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God bless you. Anybody else? Hey, come on, church. Anybody else? Anybody else? I prayed and I invited Jesus into my heart. Anybody else? Everyone's standing. Everyone's standing. The doors of our church are open. Whatever that needs to look like for you. If it's joining our church, come. Those of you that came down, I want you to stay down. I'm going to have a separate prayer for you, but I want y'all to meet somebody. Um, this is Malika. Everybody say, hey, Malika. Hey. I, I want to say this as respectfully as I know how, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, but we're, we're going we're gonna to call the elephant in the room, okay? She and I have been talking, and she's been praying about where God would have her to be. And I'm just going to say this because I've, I've preached in churches where the congregation was entirely black. I've been in Africa and I've been, and, and, and it's, it's a little scary sometimes. Shouldn't be. But Malika wasn't afraid. You know what else she did? You know what else she did? She went and talked to her pastor. Man, I, I praise God for that. She told her pastor, she said, I, I just feel that this is where God's calling me to be. And, and, and he gave her his blessing. And so today, Malika, you know what I believe, and, and, and my brother too, I, I, believe, I believe that people have to be first, have to be pioneers to go into uncharted territory. And, and I pray, I pray that y'all receive this because I'm going to tell you something. I have a, I have a, a biracial grandson. Oh my gosh, y'all. <laughs> I love that boy so much. And I want his, I want his life to be great. Right. I believe God's anointed him for something big because he shouldn't be here if man had anything to do with it. Right. But can I say this? Racism doesn't start at the White House. It starts at the dinner table. Right. I, and again, I say this respectfully. I, I love my brother, my sister right here. And there's others in this room that the world says if you look different just go to where you look the same but God says no no don't do that be the one and I'm thankful for courage and strength and I pray yeah amen amen I'm thankful for this brother. He, he came to Rock the Ridge two years ago and I was preaching and man, he was hallelujah and shouting. I was like going, man, I'll pay you to join my church. I, I take that back now that you're here, but. Can, can I say something? We, we, better, we better be open when a prostitute walks through those doors. I, I'm a, oh, well, what if she's wearing a halter? What if she, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The world lives the way the world knows to live. Right. If they come in here smelling of alcohol and drugs, they come in here jacked on meth. Right. Oh, we're going to be careful, but we're going to love them. Right. Amen. And, and, and guys, if that's not your heart, 
I'm just afraid we're missing the gospel. Please know that's our heart here. It's my heart because it's God's heart. And, and, and the truth of it is, we're all about one step away from being where they are. One, one, one verse, and then we're going to go home. I'm just going to pray for these folks. If you want prayer, y'all come. If you want to join, y'all come. We're just going to pray over all these wonderful, amazing folks down here. If you want prayer today, let's pray. Y'all sing. Father, in the mighty name you of Jesus. You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise. You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise. You sent the darkness running. Out of an empty grave, seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise. And you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave, seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise. You reign above it all, you reign above it all. Over the universe and over every arm, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. And let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing it out. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting. There is no higher Above it all, and you reign above it all, you reign above it all. And over the universe and over everything, there is no Real quick, real quick, I want to introduce to you Braxton and Ashley Bale. They come together today, want to be a part of our church. They're saved, have been baptized. So I hope you'll come and speak to them. Cody, come on up, brother. Tell us what we need to know. Thank you all so much. All right, I got a few announcements for you all really quick. Um, Get in the game if you want to be any or if you want to be a part of any of our teams and volunteer. It's going to be August the 24th. Uh, make sure uh, to be there for that. Even if you are a current volunteer, uh, come join us that night. We're going to have food. It's going to be a great night. Um, welcome dinner. If you have just, if you have joined or want to join or in the process of that, uh, please see Pastor David. It is August the uh, 28th. And uh, don't forget, Awana starts August the 31st, so just a couple Wednesdays from now. Super excited about that. Uh, Ryan Hilton, where's Ryan at? He's somewhere in here, isn't he? Oh, right here at the front. Uh, it is Ryan's birthday today, so I just want to give him a... So, uh, he, he, 
He does so much. I know y'all see him up here playing the guitar, but so much uh, he does through Monday through the rest of the week uh, for us. Uh, I cannot run my Wednesday night services without him. I don't. I know how to turn the power on over there, and he does all the rest. So uh, he keeps me in line with that. Uh, we. We couldn't do what we do here without you, Ron. Uh, th- this church appreciates you so much. Uh, so, yeah, y'all give them a round of applause one more time. Uh, don't forget to check out the Life Group Showcases right here in the back. Hey, if you want to meet that accountability partner that you don't have and or, or you may, you're looking for somebody like that that, you can, that can speak life into you, that's where you meet them at is in those classes. Uh, you meet them at in these, these Life Groups that we have. That's why we do them. Uh, so you can get to know people so you don't have to do life alone. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited about what God's doing here. Y'all have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you for joining us today at Northridge Church. We hope today's message inspired you in your walk with God. We hope you take your next step by connecting with us online at northridgethomaston.com.